The less your business spends, the more margin you keep. But today, everything costs more. So smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one proven platform, helping you reduce IT costs, maintenance costs, and manual errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move to NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com slash earnings right now. NetSuite.com slash earnings. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Live from our nation's capital. This budget thing is going to do nothing. Space Force, I still think it's interesting. President Trump not playing his cards yet. Headlines, policy, and politics colliding. Bloomberg, sound off. The insiders, the influencers, the insights. I would rather see a congressional solution. It's part of my DNA. The Senate map in 2020 looks a lot different than it looked in 2018. President Trump was sent here to smash conventional norms. In a sense, Bernie Sanders has already won. This is Bloomberg, sound on with Kevin Cirilli. On Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. Can I get a witness or no? We're going to find out whether or not there's going to be witnesses in the Senate impeachment trial. The latest on the impeachment front. Plus, President Trump's nemesis, Adam Schiff, draws praise (laughs) for his impeachment performance, I guess, amongst Democrats. Meanwhile... Biden hits President Trump on military brass. We'll give you the latest on the 2020 campaign update from the top tier candidates. And more from my trip with Secretary of State Mike Pompeo. We'll play some more of that. We've got an all-star panel. Eli Yokley's here, political reporter for all of my friends at the Morning Consult. Great people over there. Wendy Benjaminson, my friend, Bloomberg politics editor, who told me that she is fried. I said, I'm fried too. Together we can fry some food on this Friday, Wendy. We're going to survive. We're going to get through the hour together. David Mark, deputy news editor at the Washington Examiner. So we've got a lot of news to get through, folks. My panelists tonight are my good friends, Eli Yokley, political reporter for the Morning Consult. Eli, you're going to give us all the latest polls on the on the Morning Consult, right? Let's go. Yeah. All right, good. Wendy Benjaminson's here, my good friend, Bloomberg Politics Editor. Hey, Wendy. Hey. Are you as tired as I am? I'm a little fried. I'm a little fried too, but you and know what? It hasn't what? even started yet. We haven't even, you know, there's one more <laughs> show until the weekend, and then are we going to have a good weekend? We are going to have a good, good. weekend. You know, and then we're going to be in Iowa, New Hampshire, and Nevada, and South Carolina. Wow, Wendy. Yeah. Who's counting? What did David <laughs> Mark, deputy news editor at the Washington Examiner, you guys have had a great week. Some pretty big headlines coming out of the Examiner. It's been a fun one. It's Lots been more a to fun come. One. Yeah, what's been your favorite headline at the Washington Examiner? Oh, there have been so many of them. You put me yeah, on the spot I here. I know, but give us what's been your favorite impeachment develop. Candy Crush. I hear there's been a lot of talk of Candy Crush with the impeachment. The biggest one we've had is actually Tom Steyer. He's kind of the forgotten guy out there. He's yeah, but well, don't tell of, that to Tom Steyer. Yeah, well, he's kind of got Iowa to himself. Only he and uh, Pete Buttigieg are out there right now. And Biden. Joe Biden's actually had He's out there for a couple of days, but he's headed to New Hampshire for right. several days. So he's making a late play for Iowa. So I had lunch see. with uh, David McIntosh today over at the Club for Growth, and we were talking about expectations for Joe Biden and exactly what those expectations will be. Let's not start with 2020, though. We'll talk about 2020, I promise, coming up. we got to lead 
With the trial, the Senate impeachment trial, folks. Donald Trump is on trial in the Senate. I'm reading from the Bloomberg Terminal, my colleagues Billy House and Chris Strom. But the week was dominated by the dogged prosecutor-turned-lawmaker he routinely derides as Shifty Schiff. Democratic Representative Adam Schiff laid out the House's impeachment case against the president in painstaking, if repetitive, detail bolstered by a library of video clips and occasional flashes of passion. But, Wendy... Uh, Look, I mean, when I was on all week traveling with the Secretary of State, and they have Fox News on the plane, and I got to tell you, Tucker Carlson last night absolutely annihilated Adam Schiff, and I I think that in the Republican world, in the conservative world, I don't think, according to my reporting, in the conservative world, this is backfiring on Adam Schiff, and it's totally mobilizing President Trump's base. Absolutely it is. I mean... Adam Schiff is, as Lindsey Graham said, uh, very well-spoken. He's a former federal prosecutor. He knows his stuff when it comes to how to present a case. So I think that's what, you know, Lindsey Graham is referring to. Um, Also, Lindsey Graham is just kind of a nice guy and says things like that, says things about other people. But... um, but no, the this this whole thing because the outcome is certain that almost certain that uh, President Trump will be acquitted by the Senate, and this whole thing will move on. It is it does have the potential to really backfire on the Democrats. Kevin, I think you're right about the mobilization of Republicans. I mean, we saw that in some of our polling this week that we got before the trial began. Uh, our latest poll at Morning Consult had impeachment support rem- removal support at the closest margin it's ever been. It's, almost evenly split and a lot of that was driven by a shift in republicans and independents toward a, a trump side on this um at the same time voters still back these witnesses um they kind of want to have their ears open on some of these issues yeah there's no real reason to think any republican mind senatorial republican minds have been changed we still have the kind of the main vote coming up probably early next week on whether to include witnesses or not. Okay, so this is what I don't understand. I, I thought, and I hate to interrupt you, but on the issue of witnesses, I thought that we were going to get this decision Tuesday. Then I thought we were going to get this decision Wednesday. Now you're telling me that we're not going to get the decision until early next week. What is taking so long? Either you're <laughs> either you're going to have witnesses or you're not. Well, the opening day got delayed, if you want to call it, put yeah. it that way, by a bunch of Democratic amendments, which Senate Democrats knew they were going to lose the votes on, but they wanted to prove their point, get lots of vulnerable Republicans on record for that. Then they had the quote-unquote opening arguments, which took the better part of two days. Republican lawyers for President Trump still have their day in the sun. The Saturday session is getting cut short because senators just don't want to sit in the Senate for that long on Saturday. So we'll get to it soon enough, but it's getting awfully it's getting I delayed. just think the whole trial's weird. I just feel like that's the word of the day, weird. Because y- you've got Democrats who are saying that they want witnesses, and Republicans are saying, well, why didn't you have witnesses in the House? And then you've got Republicans who are saying... what are we even having the trial for and it just and and nielsen's ratings came out and fox news everyone's watching fox news in terms of i just find the whole thing weird wendy it is weird and i'm not sure i mean my understanding um i covered the last impeachment trial bill clinton but my understanding is that the house session was not for witnesses the house session is a the equivalent of a grand jury investigation and they came out and said okay senate we have we believe we have enough evidence to charge Donald Trump with these crimes 
you go try him. That's the place for witnesses. So this whole, I think the Republican um, Republicans are trying to confuse voters who may not be experts in how impeachments work into thinking that the House skips <laughs> some steps. I love you phrased that. Not yeah. experts in how impeachment works. <laughs> well, I mean, barely any of us in this room what are. Do, what do independents say, Eli, in, in battleground states? Or what are, what are you reading in the in the numbers? of what, what do they think? Are they thinking this is weird? Are they, are they even paying attention to it? I mean, I think the Nielsen numbers speak for themselves. Everyday Americans really aren't tuning into this. Say that I mean, again. Imagine, I just say that. That bears repeating. <laughs> yeah, I mean, everyday Americans aren't tuning into this. Imagine a Saturday, you're out at home in Missouri, back home in Missouri. You're tuning into C-SPAN tomorrow during the day to watch Trump's defense. I mean, I just can't imagine <laughs> folks doing that. <laughs> that's um, so smart. And that's why, I mean, you saw... Well, you know, there are and, no games on. And you saw some reporting this, this morning about Trump's lawyers wanting to delay a lot of their arguments till next week when people might be tuning in. But even last night, I mean... Fox News was not covering this. If you're a conservative American out there and you're watching Fox, it wasn't even showing this. I um, mean, I, go ahead. I, I would just say in the States, um, we've seen a big decline in the approval rating of a number of Republican senators as we've gotten closer to this. Um, uh, well, some of it, like Martha McSally, has been driven by Republicans, independents, and Democrats, and you've seen her hard swing to the right to try to embrace some of this. Others have, have been driven mostly by independents and, and, and Democrats, like Susan Collins of, of Maryland, and you've seen her tack to the middle on this. So um, this is definitely going to play out in 2020 politics. I, 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 but will it last until next November? Well, that's, that's, a good, that's a good question. If you're yeah. a House Republican today, you want it to. Tom Emmer said a couple of weeks ago wow. that he wants this to be an ad in the fall. If you talk to Republican strategists in some of these states working on Senate races, they really don't want to be talking about this in the fall, obviously. That's fascinating, yeah. especially just given the dynamics of it. There are other things happening in the world, folks. Juan Guaido is happening in the world. The situation in Lebanon is happening in the world. Libya is happening in the world. And it's just amazing. It really is fascinating to watch this trial on every single channel. You can't turn it off. And it's, it's not even It's not even like it. I mean, I'm not going to opine. But I mean, it, it's just... I don't know. All right, coming up, we're going to pivot back to policy because the markets haven't moved, and I say this every show. The markets have not blinked on impeachment developments, and it's it would be it would be stunning if if all of a sudden there was this showing of Republicans who who break what has already been priced in. Panel stays. I'm Kevin Cirilli. I'm staying today. I'm the chief Washington correspondent of Bloomberg TV and radio. Download the Bloomberg Sound on podcast on Apple iTunes. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. You're listening to Bloomberg Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. Eli Yokley's here. He's a political reporter for The Morning Consult. Wendy Benjaminson, Bloomberg Politics Editor, and David Mark, Deputy News Editor at The Washington Examiner. There was other news that happened this week, folks, other than impeachment, and that's what I want to talk about because there's a ton of... <laughs> ton of news geopolitical news that is happening next week they're going to unveil a peace plan wendy yes they are a middle east peace plan in the middle of an impeachment trial and do you think this peace plan is the answer to middle east peace i'm just a reporter wendy (laughs) (laughs) i mean the plan as i understand it is pretty much israel gets everything i i mean i haven't seen the plan but i but i think it does speak to a larger uh I think it's it's an illustration of where we're at. And I spoke to a source about this yesterday. Yeah, the, week, the days blur together. Uh, yesterday, and I said, well, what changed for the White House in terms of the calculation of waiting to release the, the peace plan until after the Israelis figure out what they're going to be doing? And what this source told me was the White House feels that 
potentially they would be able to say to their voters, say to independent voters, that in the midst of the impeachment trial, the White House is trying to negotiate peace and is and is unveiling this peace plan. It it's going to be interesting, Eli, to see the reaction that it gets from voters, but also from folks all around the world, both allies and adversaries. Yeah, no, it's a good flex for the president. I mean, this is something that his base cares a lot about. Um, I think that this is next week. We've also got the USMCA getting signed next Mm -hmm. week. I mean, throughout impeachment, he has had some achievements that he can turn around and say, well, Congress has been spending its time coming after me. I've I've been getting this stuff across the finish I think that's an excellent point. I mean, David, when you look at the schedule for next week, the signing on Wednesday where the the president is going to be literally signing into law one of the biggest trade deals that that he ran, campaigned on for the USMCA, and for the business community, not just big business, but small business, that's been something that they've been pushing for for, for a long time. And then in addition to that, he's going to be having world leaders at the White House from Israel. And that's that's a huge deal. Right. This We're well into an election year at this point. So no great surprise that the administration wants to tout these things. Right. Whether they will last until November or not remains an open question. But as you all know, markets want certainty. And that's what you're getting with signing of this trade agree- agreement. You know where things are going. It's not a huge change from what's been in place for the last quarter century under NAFTA, but it does update some things. And it's something the administration wanted on the Middle East peace situation. That is, as Eli said, that plays to a core constituency of the president's. And it's going to please lots of people. It's going to displease some others. But it's it's an election year. And it will also be going on right when that old impeachment trial just might be winding down. And that's – you're right. And then that all that sort of uh, activity is also a, a page out of Bill Clinton's playbook when he was impeached. He got – I don't remember exactly all of the things he got done. But he was very, very, very busy being president while, you know, what – what the white the executive branch considers the shenanigans are going on in Congress to try to get rid of them. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. And then, of course, the uh, policy things also give the Democrats a chance to talk about, you know, Middle East peace and Trump's foreign policy. Um, that will be some talk in Iowa. They're a little tangled up on USMCA because, um, you know, I, I don't think they actually disagree with them on trade. So they have to... Bernie does. Yeah. Oh, yes. Bernie does. That's true. But the others really kind of don't. And they have to find a way to say, well, we don't like the way he's doing it. Which is interesting. I mean, I, I'm just struck by this because it's it would be one thing if, if President Trump only was able to get Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu to attend the White House. But the fact that he got his chief rival centrist, former General Benny Gantz, to attend as well. I mean, the images of that. I mean, just pause for a second. Tuesday, the images of Benny Gantz, President Trump and... Uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. That is a, regardless of whether the Palestinians show up, those images in and of itself are, as you point out, David, that, I mean, in terms of folks who Israel is is an incredibly important um, uh, issue for, those images speak for themselves. Yeah, there's also a certain element of hedging their bets regarding the upcoming Israeli election in early March. One of those two candidates likely is going to be prime minister, See, either smart. Netanyahu continuing on or Benny Gantz taking over. So it's building up that relationship and making nice with them one way or another. And even though Trump has been with Netanyahu, we know 
He doesn't like a loser, and he's seen Netanyahu's popularity decline over some time. But so that's smart because it's putting a, up, it making shows, some new friends. It shows Eli that the president is not with Netanyahu; he's with Israel. Yeah, I think that's where the Republican Party is to these days. Um, this and is, it used to be. I mean, yeah. and, and I would say ninety percent of the Democrats. And it's the number of Democrats, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, well, let's not let's AOC. Not Let's not forget that's a play to the evangel- evangelical vote, right? That's mm-hmm. the Christian evangelicals who really want um, Israel stabilized. I think a lot of, you know, fewer Jewish voters are Israel first voters anymore, and um, some of them are not happy with Trump. They're so unhappy with Trump that it, it almost wouldn't matter if he created peace in Israel. I think we also ought to note that the Palestinian side is not going to be there. So yeah. it's kind of like the two sides that agree are negotiating on a peace deal without the other side there. Well, you bring up the evangelicals. The president today, speaking at the March for Life, he was the first president ever to to do that. I don't know, Eli, and I'm curious on your perspective of the polls, whether or not that will help or hurt him with independent voters. I mean, he's been pretty solid with the evangelicals for a long time. Um, he's not doing great with independents right now, but he's not horrible. Um, but I think we've seen throughout this that the biggest thing for Trump right now is focusing on keeping his base there. Right. The evangelical voters is like key to that um that the abortion stuff today was very important for him uh, to double down on this and something that he can go into next year with yeah it's an extension of the same issue of having these israeli leaders at the white house it's playing to that base in an election year knowing who you have to get out both sides whether it's the trump campaign or the eventual democratic nominee it's not much persuasion to be done people know how they feel about trump one way or the other it's just about getting out your voters and maybe shaving down support from the other side a bit but really getting out your own side all right, folks, coming up, we're going to talk more politics and policy, plus what's on the panel's radar with our esteemed friends, Eli Oakley, Wendy Benjaminson, and David Mark. I'm Kevin Cirilli, the Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. You can download the Bloomberg Sound On podcast on Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. You can also find me on Radio.com, iHeartRadio, and Spotify, and It's going to be a good weekend, right? It's going to be a great weekend. We finally got it. We've got gratitude that we are here on Friday. We have two days before the primary and caucus season begins in earnest, and we will be covering every angle. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. Success is more than a destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's dedication. It's fortitude. And it's the work, passion, and grit inside of us that comes before all recognition. That's what Stiefel has been doing for over 130 years, and it's why Stiefel is one of the fastest-growing wealth management firms in the country. And Stiefel goes beyond traditional wealth management to offer you a full suite of banking services, direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises, and a leading middle market investment bank. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel has built a company and culture unlike any firm on Wall Street. Because success is the drive it takes to keep pushing. It's the passion to keep investing. It's the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Find a financial advisor at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel, Nicholas & Company, Incorporated. Member SIPC and NYSE. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. Eli Yokely's here, Wendy Benjaminson, and David Mark. All right, folks, we got to talk about 2020 because Wendy and I are headed to Iowa next week Woo-hoo. to Des Moines. And 
All right, well, let's set the scene for us. What's what's going on in Iowa? Who's up? Who's down? The impeachment's put some folks at disadvantages, at least according to Bernie. That's but I right. think Bernie's actually doing a masterful job of managing expectations because he is, according to the polls, doing pretty well. He is doing pretty well right now. And the truth is the in what makes uh, Iowa really interesting right now is that it's a jump ball. I mean, there's these four candidates, four to five candidates, all bunched up at the top. That would be Joe Biden, Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, and then Pete Buttigieg and maybe even Amy Klobuchar. She's gathering up some endorsements. She, you know, as we all know, got the New York Times endorsement the same day she got the Quad City Times endorsement. And I think the latter is probably more important for her because voters in Iowa care much more about the Quad City Times than the New York Times. Um, but, you know, any one of them could come out the winner right now. So it's it makes it kind of exciting. Eli? Um, nationwide, it's been pretty flat the last couple of weeks. I mean, a lot of the, the movement we're seeing is on the ground in some of these states. The one thing that's really stuck out to us is the namesake of this network is is Mike Bloomberg has surpassed Pete Buttigieg for fourth place in this race nationwide. That money he's spending in early states is helping him uh, get better known by voters uh, nationwide, and it's also getting him some first-choice vote share. But how – okay, but, but he's not polling in Iowa. He's not polling in New Hampshire. So – I mean, I guess we're going to have political scientists tell us. I mean, I guess we'll find yeah. out after all of that. But, I mean, your thoughts I on mean, that? You can still sack some delegates. I mean, those aren't the only two races. Yeah, but I totally disagree. I got to interrupt here. Because they said the same. <laughs> no, because this is, I, you know, I got I to gotta just say this. You can't stack delegates. No matter what you think, it's never worked. And Americans believe that when you vote, you vote. And so, yes, there's all of these processes but don't you think that all of the coverage of who wins a primary and who wins it, whatever, that that means something to American voters? Well, except try running statewide in California, <laughs> Texas, and a dozen other states yeah. on Super Tuesday. It is incredibly expensive. And if you can flood the market with campaign ads, it's really complicated to win delegates in those states. And you got a lot of money. You can, you can I do just a lot think of things. Maybe I'm wrong, and I'll, and I'll eat my words if I'm wrong. But And you can play the tape back when, if I'm wrong. I don't... But I think it's just a beltway obsession. It, it just this delegate chatter. I remember last cycle, we all had these meetings. We all had these books. They printed out all of these papers. Ted Cruz could have a delegate fight. Ted Cruz could win on the floor. Ted Cruz got booed at the Republican National Committee <laughs> convention. Right. I, I, I would wonder right. how much some of these early states are a, a, a beltway obsession. I mean, honestly, I mean, this, this is a contest that plays out over weeks and weeks and weeks. Yeah. Culminates no, I, to the DNC, right? Sorry. Yeah, yes, you're ahead. absolutely right. It does. But it's all about momentum, right? People like to see who their neighbors, whether it's the neighbor next door or the neighboring state, are voting for. So let's just say that Biden wins Iowa. One of the New Englanders, probably Sanders, wins New Hampshire. Then Biden wins Nevada and South Carolina. This is. I have no idea if any of this is happening. This is purely hypothetical, except South I Carolina. I wish you could see how Wendy's painting her words with her hands. <laughs> I swear, you must be Italian. There's probably some Italian. Because I'm half Italian and I talk with my hands. Okay. But I, I was looking. I was like, I felt like I was back in Delco for a second watching Wendy with. The, I'm thinking, okay, I'm following. Like, there's a state. There's point? a state. Any chance I could finish my point? Sorry, go ahead. So let's say Biden goes the first four states, which are relatively small states. And uh, comes out of there with three wins and a, and a place. 
most Americans are going to go, okay, he's a winner. He's got some wins. I Maybe I'll take a second look at him. Plus, some of the lower-level candidates are going to drop out. That, that's true, and he does have that name recognition. What he might be lacking, though, is money. He's had some problems with fundraising. It got a little better last quarter. Who, Biden? Biden. Uh, yeah. yeah, he's been way behind Bernie Sanders, even Pete Buttigieg. It's not doing terribly. But not no. the kind of money that you can charter jets just at whim on. He's ahead of Pete Buttigieg a little now, but also he's um, uh, he also has a super PAC backing him. Remember that. Yeah. I, what I think is really interesting at this point in the race is even after that New York Times endorsement that Washington, D.C. cares a lot about, is we're not talking about Elizabeth <laughs> Warren. I mean, she wow, was somebody who we were talking point. about for a, a lot in October and the summer, and she's, she's sort of flatlined here. Well, uh, did we, you see that memo she put out today? Go on. Her campaign, her campaign manager put out a memo that I was calling to the uh, to the staff a proof of life video. It was like, uh, you know, when someone's kidnapped, it was like, don't worry, I have the money, I have the support to keep going past Super Tuesday, and I promise if I do that, I will support down ballot candidates. So she was like, you know, come on, remember, vote for me. I'm going to help you if I if I keep winning, and so because she is in a lot of, she wasn't first in Iowa, now she's third or fourth and she's fourth in new hampshire which is a neighboring state yeah. wow yeah, that's a tough one what's been interesting to me is, is bernie sanders hasn't really taken a hit for this woman thing that was a big big, big issue during the debate this accusation that he said a woman couldn't win the presidency uh, we ran a poll why do you that, think that is i don't know we, well i'll tell you we ran a poll last weekend about uh, asking democratic voters if they the, the easiest and most difficult qualities to have to win the presidency. And one of the worst was being a woman. The, the most comfortable qualities that Democratic voters see in their candidates is a white person and a man. And so I think that shows what we're seeing in a lot of the top line numbers here is that some of these more traditional uh, older white guys are sort of leading the pack. What about Biden in terms of his support in New Hampshire and Iowa? Um, I, I think that we've seen a lot of the polls have been pretty close around there. Really? Do you in think Iowa, his campaign yeah. is, is going to be sufficient and... Uh, I mean, because he's continued to lead nationally. Yeah. Um, look, I mean, he's I also in the top tier in Iowa. Yeah. I mean, yeah. he's in the top two. In he Iowa. could win all four. He could win three or four. He could win two or four. He but he's pretty well, about well positioned as any of them are for all four early contests over the months of February. And Iowa's been a tough place for Joe Biden. I mean, in 1987, he had a drop out because of the <laughs> uh, plagiarism uh, allegations. Remember when that was a big scandal? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no. If only. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, that could that could stop a presidential campaign back in 1987. And then um, in 2008, of course, he lost to a young upstart named Barack Obama. So that's kind of what Pete Buttigieg is hoping to replicate. But I think he's – Pete Buttigieg is kind of the shiny new thing that may have already passed. Okay, so yeah. expectations. That's, that's what I want to ask each of you. And we've got just a couple minutes. We have some time here. But in terms of expectations for the top tier, Biden, Bernie – do you want to call Warren top two? I mean, who 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 is the biggest for Iowa? Let's just stick with Iowa. Eli, who's who? What are the expectations for Iowa for Biden and Bernie? I think they both are pretty compelling candidates there. I think they both got a. So if they shot. don't finish one and two in either scenario, it's problematic for their campaigns in terms of momentum. I don't know necessarily. I mean, Bernie has uh, New Hampshire. Uh, Biden has places like South Carolina and Nevada. I mean, Biden has some certain momentum. We think. I mean, going into some of these early states. Yeah, back in 2016, Bernie lost by a hair in Iowa, just below Hillary Clinton. So he's clearly got a lot of support there. But I, I do think he has been careful 
to manage expectations there and not plan on a win. But you can tell the, the Sanders campaign thinks they just might pull through and win. And they are shifting their message. We had a story on the terminal and on the web last weekend that said that he is shifting his message ever so slightly. Or Who, this Bernie week, or Biden? Bernie. Right. To focus on electability. I mean, he's he... he he got his following and he got his uh, following both in 16 and 20 by saying, I'm a radical, I'm a socialist, love it or leave it. You know, I mean, like, love me or leave me. And he had this very, <laughs> very static group of supporters. And now that he's seeing he's beginning to attract some other people, at least Warren supporters are moving over to Sanders, that um, he's starting to go, look, I'm not that radical. You know, I mean, look, Medicare for all will work this way and it'll be fine. And it's not that I gotta crazy. I got to tell you, I just think I, I am so incredibly, I get Trump vibes whenever I see him campaigning because he's, 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 I get that from Warren. Really? Well, yes. I think she's an amazing campaigner as well, but I think from, no, and I would agree with that. I agree. I, agree, I totally agree. Bernie and, and Warren, I think that, that you have that, but there's there's something about the Sanders campaign in terms of just how passionate the supporters are. They've been criticized for it. The Hulu thing with Hillary, by the way, I was on a lot of flights. <laughs> <laughs> I'm off to the races now. I was on a lot of oh, flights yeah. with the with the traveling press for the Secretary of State. Let me tell you, I, all the buzz on those flights was Hillary and Hulu. Oh, Wow. That was. That so I gotta was watch that more than I gotta watch The Crown. So forget about <laughs> Meghan and Harry. I was obsessed with that for a second. Now I'm obsessed with Hillary's Hulu documentary. That was amazing. I mean, but it, it helped Bernie. It helped Bernie because that line, like <laughs> nobody likes him. That's like it, it's like uh, high school. I mean, nobody likes him. We don't like him. It also so. allows Bernie to play the victim one more time. He can exactly. go back to 2006. He exactly. can say a lot about to 2016 okay. and say, "Yeah, I was robbed of the nomination. They rigged it." For the, and then there was the debate problem with the question, etc. He's he's best politically when he's playing the victim. Well, mm -hmm. I, that's all right. I just uh, wow, Hillary Clinton say what you want. I mean, she just threw that gauntlet down. And she can grab a news cycle. I think if there's one thing she proved, she can grab a news cycle in yep. this in this race. And and you know, that, it's interesting. All right, and coming then she up. She grabbed a second one with her walk back. Well, uh, well we got to right, yeah. coming up. We'll, we'll talk more about this because I can't get away from it. I'm Kevin Sterling. What's on their radar? We'll talk. And Hillary and Hulu. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. You're listening to Bloomberg Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg TV and Radio. Just as a disclaimer, as we talk about all things 2020, Michael Bloomberg is the founder and majority owner of Bloomberg LP, the parent company of Bloomberg News. Eli Yokley's here, political reporter for Morning Consult. Wendy Benjaminson, Bloomberg Politics Editor, and David Mark, Deputy News Editor at the Washington Examiner. All right, we got to talk more about this Hillary and Hulu thing, because I was on the plane with the Secretary of State all week, and... I mean, I'm very focused on the five countries in five days and fascinating developments with Juan Guaido in Venezuela. And also about all of the work that's being done by the 70,000 employees of the State Department, many, most of whom are apolitical and they're, and they're serving their country at embassies all around the world. And, and not to be on a soapbox, but I, I, and I don't want to, I don't want this to sound like I'm on a soapbox. But when you see it, when you go to these embassies in these places, and you see the sacrifices that all of these people are making, it it really gives you an appreciation, just the same way that we as Americans have an appreciation for people serving in the military. And so that said, Hillary and Hulu pops all throughout the week. And we were talking about this before the break. And I just wanted to, to kind of conclude that conversation before we do what's on the radar. But Wendy, you were making this point about 
whether it about how it helps Bernie Sanders, but also how Hillary could still drive a conversation in the in the cycle. Hillary has um, Hillary Clinton. I should I, not on a first name basis. We are former here Secretary of State and <laughs> U.S. Senator. We call Bernie. That's yeah. true. We do. Um, but uh, Mrs. Clinton has an amazing power to drive a news cycle. And if you notice, she not only drove one news cycle, she drove two because she waited for 24 hours to walk back the mean thing she said about uh, Senator Sanders. I'm trying to be polite in the last But she minutes. also did that with Tulsi Gabbard. She did. And now Tulsi Gabbard's suing her. So she got a third news cycle this week. Wow, and David. She, you know, <laughs> well, we're just talking off air. My issue with Hillary is when she says something like this, she just doesn't own it. When Donald Trump said something edgy or controversial, he's all in on it. Other politicians do too. It's really the only Not way to go out and do that. many politicians. Yeah. yeah. I mean, one of the interesting things to me, to me is who cares what Hillary Clinton says today. We did some polling on this last year and found that the, the strength of her endorsement among Democrats has waned since even 2018 behind the Obamas and Joe Biden and Bernie. Um, I don't know how many people are listening to her today, but they're certainly curious. Wow. It. Oh my gosh. I, I'm going to... Mm. Kind of like Sarah Palin. Yeah. Right. No, absolutely. But did people really listen to Sarah Palin ever? I mean, Hillary Clinton... No, I know, but you in know, the sense that, the in the sense that when they talk, it, it's interesting what they have. To, like, you want to hear what they have to say, but I think to that point, I mean, what what would a Hillary Clinton endorsement mean? Yeah, the, the thing is, Democrats have a tradition of burying their losing presidential nominees. Usually, they don't want them at the conventions. She's different because, of course, she's a former Secretary of State, Senator, First Lady, national figure. But usually, they just like these people to go away and never speak in public again. I, I think that's true. I also maybe. It would give an an imprimatur of of um, approval for uh, some women voters. I think suburban women voters who still maybe like Mrs. Clinton a bit might be more inclined if she if she said Joe Biden, they'd forget things they didn't like about Joe Biden. All maybe. right, I don't know. It'll I'm be guessing. fascinating to see if she speaks at the convention. All right, what's on the panel's radar? Uh, I've got two things on my radar, but so I'm going to go first and last. Can I do that? Sure. It's your show. Thank you. Okay. Uh, the first thing on my radar is Venezuela. Uh, Juan Guaido, he is, of course, the president of Venezuela that the U.S. recognizes and 50 other countries. And he was uh, with um, with uh, the Colombian President Duque in Colombia and Secretary of State Pompeo. He, be- he defied a travel ban in Venezuela because dictator Maduro is – still holding on to clinging on to power being propped up by the cubans and uh the russians as well and he defied this travel ban and really just had this showing and then he went to davos and the question of whether or not he's able to go back into venezuela is something that is very much on my radar he's this charismatic 35 year old leader you talk about barack obama you talk about Pete Buttigieg, you talk about marco rubio and in terms of their youth to see this guy who grew up in blue collar Venezuela and really amassed this following and to see that in person and to see that risking his life for Venezuela. I mean, it's a fascinating story and one that really will play out and shape, shape the region uh, for, for a very long time to come. Kevin was talking with his hands too. I always, I always (laughs) said this, Wendy, I have always been a talker with the hands. It's Italian. All right. That's what, that's the first thing that's on my radar. And then I'll go last. Okay. David. I'm looking at the surrogates for all the candidates, specifically the three or four senators who are stuck here in D.C. for this impeachment trial, however long it goes. Michael Moore is camping out in Iowa on behalf of 
Bernie Sanders for the next several days, really almost until the caucus. So it'll be interesting. Usually, I think surrogates and endorsements, that kind of thing, don't matter. But these are unusual circumstances, so it's an interesting test. Great. Watching for witnesses in the trial. I oh, know, good. Uh, yes, yeah, smart. Joe Biden said this week that he wouldn't do it, but there's still the prospect of, of John Bolton out there and some of these vulnerable senators, people like Mitt Romney, who has shown some indication, or Lamar Alexander, who's retiring. So it's still possible. We'll see. All right. I'm going to take a different angle. My On my radar is the news that 34 U.S. troops suffered traumatic brain injury wow. in the Iranian strike on the Iraqi facility. This is such a huge story. It is. We didn't know about it. Now, you know, it's not... Apparently, they didn't report. Uh, the ones who weren't seri- too seriously injured didn't report their injuries for several days, so it's not like it w- there was some big cover-up. But um, the president did at first dismiss them as headaches, um, and traumatic brain injury is obviously much more than that. So my thought is with the troops and their families. And 17 of them are still in the hospital. Yes. Uh, I mean, that's let's, let's pause for that for a second. 17 of these troops are still in the hospital. They suffered traumatic brain injuries during the— for their bravery for for what that happened with the killing of general soleimani i mean that is it, it it's still it I, I i still don't understand why we don't have a clear picture of of what happened in the sense that it could highlight the bravery of the men and women who serve in uniform i think um i will say i i used to be involved in national security coverage at um another news organization and i will tell you the pentagon communications has changed from the obama administration to the trump administration it and and it's not even like a critique story it's it's more of a highlighting of the bravery right do you know what i mean absolutely i mean 34 troops uh you know suffered injuries combat injuries it was an iranian strike that precipitated the killing of soleimani um and they were injured in a foreign attack and we should honor them for that we should honor them they deserve all of our gratitude and all of our appreciation uh okay so the final thing that's that that's a great one you win (laughs) wendy well i mean wendy wendy won because that that's a great that's a really important important to note and important to remember and to keep perspective as we enter into, sp- as we sprint through the marathon in the weeks <laughs> the to come. silly season. Uh, yeah. <laughs> We're still at um, Alfalfa Club dinners tomorrow night. Speaking of silly season. <laughs> 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 Nothing against the Alfalfa Club. Uh, but no, it'll be interesting to see who shows up. It's, of course, the social club that exists uh, for their black tie banquet on the last Saturday of January. It's going to be at the Capitol Hilton. It'll be a who's who. Mitt Romney speaking. Mitt Romney speaking at the Alfalfa Club. Wow. He's pretty funny when he wants to be. You know, I will say, as we talk a lot about Hillary and Hulu, the best political documentary that I've seen is Mitt Romney's on Netflix. I'm telling you, he should have released that before he ran for president. Yep. It might get a different outcome. And maybe we'll feel that maybe we'll say that about Hillary and Hulu. Because this is the most fascinating thing, this documentary. If you haven't seen it, Mitt Romney and they, they chronicled all around and they showed it. So if you're bored this weekend, watch the Mitt Romney doc. Is on the president speaking at the Alfalfa Club? That I was trying to figure out. I don't think he is. I don't know. I don't know. I'll check. I'll get back to you. All right. Um, big plans. Who's who's doing the coolest thing this weekend? I'm going to be on CBS News tomorrow morning. Um, <laughs> I'll be working. Yeah, so I'll be working too, but I'll be in New York City, <laughs> and I get to see my dad tonight, and I just want to oh, give good. a shout out to my mom and dad because they're going to see me in New York tonight, and I am so excited to see them. Uh, they're awesome. Bring them down here. They were down here for Thanksgiving. They'll come down. They'll come down. I'll, I'll get them down here. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. I'll see you Monday. I'm going to New York to see my parents. I'm excited. <laughs> They're going up from Delco. You're, have a great weekend. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1.
The Bloomberg Sustainable Business Summit returns to London on April 25th for a solution-driven look at the sustainable business and finance landscape, looking at the latest trends in ESG regulations, supply chain innovation and transition finance. Speakers include leaders from CDP, Emirates Environment Group, TNFD, Ctrace, COA and more. Summit advisors include City and Schneider Electric. Visit BloombergLive.com slash SBS 2024 to learn more.